0: Hey guys, this is Coach Kita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training. Today we have Grant Chancellor Madison, Corey Scheele, and Mike Seifert. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. So Corey, tell us about yourself.
1: So I'm um, Corey Scheele. I own um... Shield manufacturing, which is really just kind of one product, is buffer system I developed for PCCs. Um, I shoot USPSA PCC primarily. I'm a GM, just got my GM classification this past summer. Um, I shoot open when I can and three gun when I can. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've been going down this kind of road of this entrepreneurship, uh, developing this PCC and, and trying to sell it and sponsor matches and shooters and get it out there. So that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: Okay, so. Okay, so for people who don't know, can you tell us what is a buffer system for a PCC?
1: Okay, so I've got my PCC here. So a typical AR-9 um, is being, the whole bolt and everything is being held forward by a big spring in the tube and generally a weight, a heavy weight. And, you know, it's just hard to get a weight moving, so when the round goes off, it hard to get that moving but once it moves it's pushing this heavy spring back um ejects then that heavy spring starts pushing this heavy weight forward it shucks around off the magazine and goes home so traditional buffers are generally in like the 10 ounce area and they're running like a 15 pound spring behind it and um what i did was i went to the idea where we can have these detents these rollers that are kind of Catching on these pockets, and that is what's holding it shut. And then all of a sudden it releases, and I'm on a five-pound spring there.
2: Did, did, did you so are you basically creating a delayed blowback MP5 type system in the buffer tube?
1: Yes, exactly. Um, and it turned out that to be a, cool. a really good thing in that it could add on to anyone's gun. But when I developed it, I just said, what's the cheapest thing that I can cut? And so I didn't want to start cutting up my bolt and my receiver. So I was like, oh, I've got this buffer tube, and I'll start working on that.
2: Is it very ammo dependent, though?
1: Um, it is completely tunable to your ammo. So that's one of the really cool things is inside the buffer, I'm just using springs to create the spring pressure. And there's three pockets and different strengths of springs. So there's like a 100 different combinations of lockup. Um, so you can tune your lockup to your specific ammo to make the gun feel right for you.
0: So what recommendations do you have for various ammunition?
1: Oh, well, um, you know, the snappy 115 grain uh, factory loads. We tend to run more heavy springs in here and lock it up harder. Um, Like the Steel Challenge stuff, we can run one light spring in here and barely lock this up. So there's really a wide gamut there. Um, That is one thing in the Steel Challenge stuff. I've got some combinations that can run ammo as low as 65, 70 power factor. So stuff that's like unheard of and completely unreliable in other guns um, just runs great out of this. So... I don't really, I haven't gone down that steel challenge path yet with it, but I feel like there's a lot to be gained there with it.
2: Okay. okay. So is it also, um, cause the, the, a lot of guys run the short stroke kind of stuff. Now I'm not a PCC shooter, Mike, so correct me if I'm wrong. Now does that, have you simulated that kind of throw and travel in your, in your product?
1: Yes. So I also have like short stroke bumpers that go in the back of the tube that will limit the stroke. Um, I've tried the short stroke thing before my system and with it, and I, I like the full-length stroke. I'm kind of a, a, the engineering thinker in me says, okay, if I'm stopping my car, it's going to be less violent if I stop it over 100 feet than if I stop it over 50 feet I'm going the same distance, you know, traveling the same speed. You're so talking my, about my thought yourself? is that's going to be softer on a long stroke. But certainly lots of people want like the short stroke idea and um, you can do that with this system too.
2: Yeah, and it's patented, right?
1: Yes, yes. I went through that process last spring and uh, okay, did so- a
2: whole
1: you know, provisional patent thing and, and went through the patent process, so yes.
0: Well, okay. that could be interesting for our listeners. Can you talk us through the patent process in case somebody who's listening has an idea they're thinking of getting patented?
1: So, you know, you start with doing like a provisional patent, which is basically locks your idea up for a year and um, it, it sets that date for you. So it's like I had the idea on the deadline, you know, April 1st. And but I don't have everything in line to actually file the patent, spend the big money and all of that. But it locks that date in for you is April 1st. So you can send some like photos and stuff that they won't accept for an actual patent to them and say, here's the idea. Here's some like real general stuff about it. It's only a few pages and lock, hold this date for me. And so I did that. And then I started talking to lawyers and a lot of that is all how you've got to decide how deep you want your patent to cover. Do you want it to cover every little part? Do you want to just cover the general idea? And how much money are you willing to spend? It, it's really the lawyers, you know they 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 want you to to lock everything up and spend thousands of hours on it. And, of course. Uh, so it's you know it's you've got to make a call there on how hard you want to go. You want to go to other countries. Um, I kind of learned with the firearms industry, there aren't many manufacturers in other countries that can make it make a go of it without selling into the United States. So if I have it covered here in the United States, generally someone in Europe isn't gonna pat or start making them and selling them because there's not in a big enough market without selling into the US.
0: Yeah, we have the biggest gun market for sure.
1: So that's about what I learned there. Um, But yeah, the patent process was interesting.
0: So where do you go? Is there a website you go to to start the process?
1: Uh, so the provisional patents thing, I think I just did on one of these like 1-800 patent websites or, you know, um, kind of whatever the top thing was on Google, but then I actually have a friend in the firearms industry that, um, his brothers are patent lawyers, uh, mostly in electronic stuff. So I was able to talk with them and get some advice on where to go and what to do. And so that, that worked out really good.
0: Okay. So what do you think is the minimum you would have to spend to get a patent? Just something really general.
1: That, you know, the 15 to 20 is a pretty, you know, a pretty solid number.
0: 1,500 or 15,000?
1: 15,000. Oh, 1,000, okay. yes. Yes, to, to be completely patent protected, um, that's the numbers that I was given by the lawyer. Now, I did a lot of the work myself, and so... Um, you know, I was able to save some of that, but but that's the the numbers I was quoted by them.
0: So you were really invested in this up front, and you had to buy a CNC machine as well, and those are not cheap. Even the old ones are not cheap.
1: I didn't have to, but I was just spending a lot on machining. On You know, I was farming it out, and, um, you know, I've got manual machines that I kind of, you know, you got to turn the handles and crank stuff, and you get... 15 hours into a part, you turn the knob the wrong way and you wreck the whole part. So I, that's how I prototyped everything. But um, no, I needed to, I decided that going in-house is probably the right move. Um, That also opens me up, I can make minor tweaks. I don't have to buy parts, 500 parts at a time. And then when I decide I want to change something, scrap a bunch of parts, I can make them kind of, you know, 20, 50 at a time. If I tweak an idea, I can try it without having to really um, commit to large runs of parts. So tell then, us- most, uh, No, that's fine. Sorry. No, that tell
0: not. us about the machine sitting behind you.
1: Oh yeah, so I just bought this. It's a vertical um, vertical machining center. It's a doll, it's, all, it's like, like a year 2000. So it's like, it's old. I'm just trying to learn it. I don't, it's, it's like MS-DOS versus Windows. <laughs> like you talk to it in code, and um, so there's a lot to learn I'm trying to get it to talk to my computer, it isn't even communicating with the computer yet. So, everything I have to do, I have to like enter on this old keyboard. Which some of the keys you have to push harder than others, and with one decimal out of place, the whole thing's wrong. But I, I'm just kind of learning it. This has only been here for a couple months, and okay, uh, well, I can see so my work on it. This the is
2: your buffers, right.
1: That's the idea. Yes, yes. I'm still, you know, I have, I still have some parts from when I have the had the machining farmed out. I do all of the assembly and everything in house, but just actually having the parts made. But yeah, that's the idea. It's just for buffers and and any new ideas.
2: Okay, what are the new ideas that you have cooking in your head? Come on, eighty percent lowers. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've stayed away from the eighty percent stuff. I don't even have any of the eighty percent stuff personally. Um, I, you know, it's easy to have serial numbers on something and not have to worry about these gray areas of the law that seem to be changing all the time. I, um, you know, if you, you can't even pass an 80% on to your kids. So I don't have any kids, but it's like if someone, if I were to die and someone were to just, my sister were to take all my guns, she'd be committing a felony without even knowing it. So like, I don't want to do that. I'm not against them. I think if they're right for you, that's great. It's just, it's a hassle that I'm not going to deal with right now.
0: So it's interesting how CNC machining has really been farmed out to mostly China. So a lot of people aren't even using them anymore in the U.S. It's so much cheaper to just have them do it there and pay them this horrendously low rate. Right. So that's interesting that you bought one for yourself and you're doing it all on your own and who knows what's going to happen with the way the world is right now. You're probably kind of glad you have it for yourself.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And, um, and even in CNC machines, they're all being built in China too. So now if you want to have a machine shop, you're ordering your machine from China. Right. So, um, I, you know, i was glad this is one of the last ones that were built in California. So, um, that was something I was looking for it was a made in USA machine. USA. Um, but, but, Yeah, that is absolutely the truth. It's being farmed overseas more and more every day.
0: Yeah, I really see CNC machining being sort of a dying thing in the US where people just aren't really doing it anymore. It's so much cheaper to outsource. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the US stuff now are they're selling that we can turn around in two days and have your rapid prototype in your hands back to you quickly.
0: So is uh, everything is everything you make U.S. made?
1: Yes, yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, you know, I have, there's some roller bearings in the, at the end of the arm. And those are, um, those are made overseas. So you just, there aren't bearings made in the U.S. that will work for this. They're for like a remote control car. So I think they're made in Taiwan, China. I was going to say
0: probably know. Japan remote control cars. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there is some. There are some German ones, but actually, they're a harder material, and that's going to work out. That's not going to work for me. So, oh um,
0: well, yeah, because then it bad. damages other things,
1: right? Rather and, and
0: than having the replaceable part taking the damages better.
1: Well, and harder is more brittle. So, there's you're trading off. You're probably going to have less shock resistance and uh, more likely to have like a crack if it's a really hard material, right?
0: Thank
2: yeah, you've been had... pretty quiet. Yeah, just, I don't, don't want
0: actually
3: guys, ruin my... <laughs> I'm letting you guys kind of talk about Corey's business stuff. I mean, so for the viewers out there, I've known Corey for a few years now. So I've known Corey since before he started his SHIELD MFG buffer system company. Um, and we always shot together and had a great time. He's been shooting BCC. I've been shooting BC. And and so Corey kind of came to me one day and was like, hey, dude, you know, I, this is kind of what I made and we've been testing it out and it seems like it works. And I remember it was Ohio State. It was the Buckeye Blast last year, actually. Um, and it was that weekend that I was going to go there and shoot with Corey. Um, and he's like, I want you to, you know, just try out my buffer system, see what you think about it. And so we went to the range and pretty sure he threw it on my gun and fired. We fired, what, about 100 rounds of mixed stuff. We had some factory stuff. I used my ammo. I used his ammo that was soft. So we had a whole mix of stuff. And, I mean, the thing ran perfectly. And for me, what I really liked about it was I was running a JP buffer before that, which I think a lot of people are, is what they're coming from. Or, you know, I, I know some people that actually have come from a hydraulic buffer to Corey system and they like it more. Um, the, the thing I like about it more is for me, it takes away the, the, the felt impulse on your shoulder when you're actually shooting. So like, you know, what Corey was talking about at the beginning where, you know, usually you're running a very heavy, like a 10 ounce thing with, with a 15 pound buffer or whatever it may be. Um, and his system is running something that's very light with a lot less spring. And I feel like when you shoot and you have the blowback on and you put Corey's system on, I feel like it's it, it doesn't feel like it's hitting you as hard in the shoulder. So it feels noticeably softer. And for me, that kind of settles the dot down too a little bit. Um, but I just thought it was funny that, you know, Corey, uh, after shooting the 100 rounds, whatever we did, I was like, all right, sweet, I'm going to shoot it tomorrow because this was the day before a major. And he's like, what, you're going to run it this weekend? I'm like, yeah, I mean, well, you know. What's the worst that happens? It breaks. Like, well, I mean, it's just one major, right? So we'll get it done. And then I ended up going out there and crushing that match. Uh, took third overall, and I took first PCC. Uh, and just you know, ever since then, I've been I've been shooting this this shield buffer, and I love it. And it, it's so cool for me because you know it's such a new thing that it's getting more and more known out there. You know, almost almost every week, more and more people have heard about this roller buffer. But there's still a lot of people out there that are just like, "What is that thing that you have on your gun?" It's like they just see the holes cut in the thin, like, you know, the, the little roller sticking out. And it's like, you know, it's, it's fun to try to explain the system to them. And most every person I talk to thinks it's the smartest thing, which is was kind of my impression when Corey told me about it. I was like, that's really, really smart. So you're essentially making a roller delay system that you can just drop into any blowback gun and, and turn it into a roller system kind of. And, and, you know, I for me, I've I've loved it. I'm running three light springs for anybody that wants to know, but I'm also running 124 grain bullets at 138 power factor so somewhere around 1080 feet a second um but that seems to be what works for me and uh yeah nothing but good things to say about it and I mean you know the fact that Corey was my buddy before he started this whole thing you know I just you know made it even that much better I tell him all the time like you know like even if it sucked it, you know I'd still run it because I love you but you know the fact that it's awesome is just like a bonus you know like the thing is actually it's a really good buffer I mean I, I mean you know there we've had a lot of people shoot the thing and and, and say wow like the, it's a noticeable difference in the feel on on your rifle which is you know it's it's innovative and if it's I, I personally for me I mean you know I am sponsored by Corey and uh, we're buddies but you know for me I tell everybody that they should at least get one and throw it on one of their guns to check it out because I think it's a great system and it's super innovative but that's just that's what I had to say so yeah I was just letting y'all talk but I was just thinking about you know as Corey's sitting here with a CNC machine in the background and his shield mfg you know jersey on and his hat that he's got which by the way i love this hat also you guys can buy this on the website uh you know i'm just thinking about like you know i knew Corey years back and before all this and it's just really cool to see where he's come so i'm kind of proud of the dude but uh what's
1: what's the website shield mfg.com all right Mfgs for manufacturing
0: not mf guns you know that's good there are a lot of there are a lot of PCCs that will not run if you don't have them locked tight into your body. If you don't have that buttstock pulled in tight, they won't run at all. Do you think your buffering system helps with that?
1: You know, that that's... A, it, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Long um,
0: answer short, yes.
1: You know, I used to get a lot of... Because, you know, PCC, stock on belt, and sometimes there's a target right in front of you. Exactly. And so you'll be pulling the trigger on the way into your shoulder. And sometimes, like, it doubles that way and was trying to do that, but it wasn't reliable enough to do it. That was before, before the system. But, no, I haven't had any of that happen. It's kind of always none of that trigger freeze or false start stuff. It kind of just – it's a smooth it, – it just feels smoother to me.
0: Okay. Um,
1: it's a slower, yeah. if you watch, I've got a side charger on my DaVinci, and you can watch the bolt, you know, the handle moving, and it seems like it's just slower than than other guns are running. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I, so, I so you're
0: good. running DaVinci as well. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so uh, that came through Mike, actually. Um, when I, I first developed the buffer, I was like, hey, you know, Mike was shooting a JP at the time, I think, and I said, hey, let's... Um, you know, we should put this on. He's like, oh, absolutely. You know, that'd be cool. And then a day later, he's like, hey, I don't know if we can do this. I'm switching to DaVinci, and they want me to run their gun the way it comes, you know, from them. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, good for you. Awesome. Congratulations. So, um, you know, move forward a month or so, and Da Vinci's like, hey, we want to check out this buffer system, too. Why don't you put it on Mike's gun? And uh, so that got the ball rolling with that. And um, it was a couple months later, you know, it kind of coincided, I got my GM card. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it or, or not. But um, all of a sudden I was GM and they're asking me if I want to shoot for them. Yeah, well I mean,
3: I just I made the, the introduction because Corey had taken you know, I was shooting a JP, which obviously had a JP buffer in it. Uh, and Corey took out the JP buffer and put on his system, which I like more. And then when I came to Da Vinci, they had put a JP buffer in my gun, which is what they were originally doing. And now, you know, I'm like, I, I just kept thinking about Corey's buffer so i'm like well you know I kinda, yeah. <laughs> like, like in a sexual told, way yeah well i just i just asked the owner of the of da vinci i was like hey man you know would you be i know it's not what comes with your guns but like would you be okay if i ran a shield mfg buffer he's my buddy from ohio he just made this thing and i honestly i like it more than the jp and he was like oh well if you like it more than the jp let's see if you know maybe it's something that we could offer in our guns on the website so like i you know it was, it was more or less, I was just asking permission if I could run one of my gun turned into um, David was interested in having Corey supply buffers for anybody that wanted them as an option, you know, for people to buy on the website, which I thought was very cool for Corey and Corey thought was awesome too. And, you know, I mean, I, I, that's all I did. I didn't, I didn't do anything more than that. And then from there, Corey kind of took over and him and David are doing their own thing. And I just, I try to stay out of the middle as much as possible. So I feel like I introduced him. I got to shoot Corey's buffer. I'm a happy guy. And then, you know, it's great for Corey, too, because now I feel like, uh, you know, anytime that you really go and see a DaVinci tent, usually you'll see a a Shield MFG table right at the end of the DaVinci tent. So I feel like it's almost a buffer that they're pushing because I feel like David also likes it. And, uh, you know, it's easy to see. I mean, you you pick one up and you shoot it and you can see the value in it. You can can instantly feel the difference. So it's, you know, it's it's nice for me. And, and, you know, it's kind of an, an easy sell and it's so innovative that people are interested in it. So. So
0: what is the difference between the JP buffer system and your buffer system?
3: The weight, the complexity, no, no rubber. I mean, I can go, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Corey. I can go through them now. I mean, I I think it's so much better all around.
1: (laughs) You know, the JP system is just like, it's their silent captured system that they've, they've modified for PCCs by adding a few weights to it. So you just got more spring pressure and more, and more weight. Um, and that's what I was trying to get away with. I I kind of went down this road. I was playing with my open gun, trying to get it tuned better. And people with open guns will put a really heavy hammer spring in, a main spring, and lighten the recoil spring. And I've talked to a lot of guys, and they say all the the recoil spring is there for is to all it has to do is overcome and get the round out of the magazine and get it home. Uh, any more than that, and it's and you're going to get muzzle dip. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of took this to the PCC and said, how can I – I want it to be locked up hard, and then I want to cock the hammer hard. So I started playing with springs on the, on the actual hammer. said, so maybe I can hold it, hold it closed with the hammer. And then um, that got me – just kind of got the ball rolling in my mind. Um, I still think there's something to, to be said about the hyperfire triggers and how uh, they're, they are holding the bolt closed with the hammer. Um, there's, they're, they're technically, they're actually making your gun softer. And, uh, you know, people don't realize that I'm not sponsored by hyperfire or anything like that, but it, there is something there.
0: We were just talking about the hyperfire triggers on our last podcast. I think all of us kind of dig the hyperfire trigger.
1: I think, yeah.
3: I mean, I've been running a hyperfire trigger since I started shooting pieces. Well, I started with a Timmy, but that only lasted about six months and then I bought a 24C. And I was running that, and then all of a sudden, with the uh, DaVinci's, Dave asked, he's like, "Well, do you want an eclipse in it?" And I mean, my God, that eclipse trigger is so nice. So yep. I, I and you know, we talked to Brian on the last podcast. He's running an eclipse in his MPX. I just think that Hyperfire is doing something right, you know, and something yeah. better than most of the other trigger companies. I mean, it seems to be the predominant trigger that you see out there, except for JP with their roller delay or roller trigger, whatever they have. I mean, I when I had my JP, that that trigger was in there. I tried to get it out. I think the red lock type like they're triggering so. You know, <laughs> barring barring you taking it somewhere or, you know, heating up your new gun. Like, you know, if you could drop a hyperfire in your gun, I highly suggest that, I you know, it's too bad. Do they, do they make pistol? Like, I don't even know, I'm just a PCC guy. Do they make pistol triggers or anything like that? Like they should get in the world. Should they life.
2: make a Glock trigger or something?
3: Yeah, I'm, I mean, they should if they don't. That's, I mean, and I wish I knew more about it. I'm not sponsored by hyperfire either, but their triggers are dynamite. Yeah, I'm not
0: thing. sponsored by them either, but I like them as well.
3: Yeah. So thanks, Hyperfire, for being you. (laughs) It's a superior design. If you're (laughs) you're
0: into
1: the engineering of things and all that and actually look at it, it's like, okay, it's a superior design.
2: It makes sense. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, your your thing is interesting because most of the, like, JP with their new, what is it, their JP5 or something? It's like Mm -hmm. everyone's, it's the roller delayed, but in the front, like an MP5. All of the, I mean, if you're giving some police officer in Europe a a, a 9 more carbine. I mean, a blowback's fine for them, but you guys want to run the guns faster. So, most of the guys are trying to get it somehow delayed, and that's where okay. that that's where the speed is. So, and that's where well, the lighter recoil is. So that well, would mean, you really rather do that on the back end?
3: Thirty-five hundred on a JP five or whatever it is, or would you rather buy Corey System and then? I can guarantee your, you that your blowback that you already two have
2: to get it here in South Africa. All three actually, because it's a. Thing. Like, no, I'm not spending 10 grand on a JP5 in South Africa. But, but I mean, a buffer system for an already-owned PCC. And also, uh, you, some of the thing you must remember, because Americans are awesome, is we have to license guns pretty much here in Europe and that. So if you already have a blowback nine-mall PCC that you want to make better, by just slapping on the buffer, which is a non-controlled part, you've already made it kind of like what you're competing against, which is quite what I find fascinating about it yep that's
0: so, i mean I, prefer,
1: I want to dig on the jp5 it's uh, you know jp builds great guns they do um, i've converted a lot of the gmr 13s and 15s to roller delayed this way and that makes a fantastic gun too there you go
3: that's how you do so that. we're not talking about reciprocating mass in your buffer we're talking about overall weight and where you have it so i could take my I could take Corey's system and put it on a PRS stock and a PRS stock is like, you know, four pounds. It feels that way anyway. So it's like, you know, that I think Josh likes a heavy gun. I don't know. I think it's different though. Now Josh isn't going to be changing his gun because he's running JP. They're not going to let him run anything other than a JP buffer. But what I'm saying is saying a heavy gun, my, my teammate Craig, actually um, he has, it, it almost looks like, like literal weights. They look like plates that he attaches to the buttstock of his gun. So he could run Corey's buffer and it'll feel lighter when it's shooting and still have the overall weight by just adding it to other places. So when you're talking about weight and you know, I think Corey can back me up on this is weight is not something that you want in your buffer system. If you're looking, you know, especially for Corey's system, that was the whole point of that was lightening it all up and making that better. So, you know, I mean, really if you wanted to add the extra weight that you're losing off of the JP buffer, you could throw in a couple lead weights somewhere else and, call it a day you know i don't know but
1: well right reciprocating weight versus the, the weight of your gun those are two right. completely different things yeah i
0: think we should talk about that though
1: yeah i i put weight in my stock i have you know i run this stock like SOP mod stock that has these battery compartments and i've they're full of light bullets and earplugs to keep them from rattling around
0: that's something i found to be really inconsistent from one pcc to the next is the overall weight, and also the weight balance.
3: Right, right. i your trying middle to point? balance
1: on my trigger guard somewhere, you know. somewhere. It's in so America. interesting.
3: Yeah, because when I had my – and they're different for every gun, too. But like, my MPX yeah. when I had it, the balance point was, like, on the front of the Magwell, and it was very much forward. So, like, even though – because they didn't they didn't have – like, the MPX doesn't really run a buffer system. It's just a you know, everything's kind of internal in the body. So it, that less weight – made the, the balance point which i kind of like because it kind of the gun was always down i was never you know i don't know it just felt better to me i got used to that and so i've tried to make all of my other guns because that's what i got used to sort of similar so you know i'll try to to have my weight be more front heavy i'll try to have like a longer heavier handguard and try to have a lighter stock where cory puts weight in his stock i would keep it light because i wanted to keep the same balance as the mpx but
1: my thought i run one-handed a lot and my, First off, I got to say, this is not my DaVinci. My Da Vinci's at Cerakote right now, so I've, this is my backup gun. I, sorry, guys, but <laughs> that's what I got. But so I run one-handed a lot, especially if I'm going right to left. And I don't want to run past the muzzle of my gun. I don't want the muzzle to dip because I slip or something, and then I actually end up breaking the 180 by running past it. So I want... I want the weight in the back to kind of keep it, I want it balanced on my hand. Mm -hmm. As a
0: movement coach, I have to agree with you. I like the pistol grip balance, more of a center balance rather than front or back. Mm -hmm. As far as movement goes, I know a lot of guys like to have it more front heavy, more back heavy, and I guess it's personal preference, but I teach a lot of people how to move. And I've seen the most efficient movement with a PCC when it's centered, basically, on the pistol grip.
1: Interesting. That makes sense to so, me. So your your
3: suggestion to me would be to lighten the front and add weight to the back. It's complete opposite of what I have.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, almost you want to add rest to be favoring the back because when you stick that forty round mag in it, I mean, it's all it's going to take some of the weight forward. Uh, depending on where
3: your center of gravity is, you know, yeah, your right. gravity so you gravity almost want it favored
2: towards the back,
3: basically, right? Well, that's another suggestion I have. Well, to that is that get yourself creates big the balance stick. in the center. Well, because this, this is something I talked about, I'm not sure if we talked about it on the podcast, but this is something I've talked with fray like, about when we are shooting a match together is that you know, part of the reason that you have the big stick on the PCC is that it will lower the center of gravity and actually hold the dot down even more. so for all the people out there that don't yet have a Taylor freelance extension, I highly suggest that you go out there and get yourself like a plus 20 or a plus 30. Because even though you're using 32 rounds max on a stage, the fact that you have 53 or 60, uh, you know, is is beneficial. Um, you know, that's all I have to say too, So that helps too with dot bounce. So there's a lot of things with PCC that are very personal though. Like you were saying, keto from one yeah. gun to another, it's just what feels good to the person that's running it and what I could suggest to people is stick with one and practice with that one particular design and you'll get much better at it. Um, yeah, and that's exactly that's
0: right with the big stick. People are adding weights into the uh-huh. stock because then it kind of centers on the pistol
3: grip. Right. But, you know, with, uh, with the mag, it just drops the weight of the gun that much farther right. down. You know, they're a foot and a half long, so.
0: But yeah, again, um, it's totally personal preference and right. whatever you choose for yourself if you like it and you train with it and you know what the is gonna do and you're comfortable with that totally up to you
3: yeah all right so this is an interesting podcast for me because i'm you know i talk to Corey all the time so for me to ask Corey questions i sort of we've already discussed it before but you know there are certain questions that i can ask on air that are you know semi-appropriate but like one of them is like so now and this is one that we haven't really discussed very much now that you've like got this Shield mfg thing going and you know you're sponsoring more matches now and it's (laughs) turned into a business um you know has has the shooting aspect of it gone away or like have you turning your hobby into your job have you lost a little bit of fire for the shooting aspect and now it's more just work or i mean have you been able to find that balance where you're still having fun and you're you're building your your buffer system and selling them and it's just working all around for you like what you know what's your balance
1: so You know, I kind of shifted the way I think about this over the winter. Um, At Nationals, I was like all this pressure to perform. I wanted to do better than I did last year. And um, I just, I put too much pressure on myself. I didn't sleep well. I didn't, you know, I just, it just wasn't a fun time. And um, then I switched and shot Open Nationals and, all that I cared about was not DQing and having fun. And it was so much fun that like when I got home, I said, it's enough of this pressure. I got to go out and have fun. I'm trying to focus on selling things and really performing at a high level. And I do my best when I'm kind of in that like subconscious thought, not really thinking hard about what I'm shooting. Um, obviously you have to be prepared to know your stage plan to do that. But um, when you kind of just let it happen, that's when I, I tend well, to do my best anyways.
3: Well, what did you, you put pressure on yourself for? Because you had, you had made this buffer system and now you wanted to come out and show people how good it was? Or did you just put pressure on yourself strictly as a competitor? Like, I'm a shooter and I just want to do well. It has nothing to do with my Shield MFG buffer system. So, or was it a combination of both?
1: Both. Definitely both. Yeah. I don't say, I don't think I put a lot of pressure on performing because of the buffer system. But just the pressure on, like, the actual social end and the business end, um, that was, you know. And you just feel like you're, you're actually putting yourself out there to be judged a lot more than when you're just out there to have fun and, and shoot at your ability, you know. Yeah, I
2: know that feeling. Sure. Okay, so basically when you, when you walk out on the stage with your gun, with your buffet in it, you know everyone's watching you to see how the gun performs and, and judging you <laughs> and yeah, right, judging right. you.
1: no no that's corey. why I, like okay so I feel like that six- falls
3: to a shooter oh. so i feel like that falls to the team guys like you know that's yes. like taking me yes. and like so when i suck at area six i feel bad because now i'm letting corey down because like my my entire job is just to do well so when you suck you're not doing your job you know corey's job is to make buffers and have fun now and sell buffers right so like <laughs>
2: You know, uh, yeah, I think you know, as, as, as shooters, we kind of judge the capability of a product based on the person shooting it. Like, oh, he didn't do well. That product is rubbish, which is definitely not the case.
1: No, and I, I know that that's not how it works. I'm, I'm looking at, did your thing work the whole time? Did it run 100%? Which, you know, we had six PCCs at Area 6, all with my buffer system. Four DaVinci's and two LED Stars. And we didn't have one malfunction for, you know, what is it, 300 rounds for, for an area match?
3: Probably 350 so, times me.
1: six yeah. guns. So that was, you, so know, you take yeah, four shots yeah, no, no at every target. Let's put it that
2: way. Yeah, Mike's round count is higher than most, actually. Yeah, yeah, right, so.
0: yeah. <laughs> but to Mike, I actually have a question for you. Oh, boy. I have been noticing this trend where you're asking our guests whether or not they're feeling like, um turning it into a job makes it not fun anymore to shoot are you considering leaving your teaching job and making shooting a full-time job
3: i don't know that would be, you know that would have to be i'd have to get an offer from a company to to move somewhere and like i don't even know how that would work i'd essentially have to uproot my entire life i mean i have my electrical license so in new jersey so at the end of the day i could always apply and i could do electrical in any state in this country but i uh you know, between my family being here, I mean, I would like to, at some point transition over and move down South and do something in the industry. I just, I, you know, I was talking to Brian about this in area six, of Hunter's HD. I'm like, you know, Brian, like, you know, if I came and work for you, like, you know, Kenzie Fitzpatrick, what does she do? She has her master's in marketing, right? Like, I understand she's one of your sponsored shooters. She can actually help your business. Like, what, what do you need me to do? Like fix your lights in your shop? Like what, like what, what I actually do for you that you would pay me a legitimate salary that I could live on so I, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I'm not stupid. I feel like I can like do stuff with my hands, but like for me to break into a whole new industry at, at my age where I'm at now, I just feel like that would be a lot of pressure or I'd be a big inconvenience somebody because essentially they'd be paying me more than I should make. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to say yes, but I, you know, there's- That's, so that's a, a very long way of saying it.
2: So if you send your CV request for Mike CV at 180 firearms training at gmail.com and we'll have his CV sent out to you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: you know, I'd love to,
3: I'd love to do that. I love shooting and I love the, I love the industry. I love everybody in the industry to to say that my career would be in the shooting industry. I think that would be awesome. And to be somewhere that I can work for a company and shoot all year round, I would, you know, that would almost be like a dream come true, but I'm, you know, not that I'm a downer on myself, but like, realistically speaking, like, you know, like what could I actually do for somebody I would like, you know, besides just shoot guns and i don't think that's that's what anybody really just gets to do you know i don't think i don't think max well maybe max michelle but there's only like a handful of people that would be like hey you know like my job is i i work for sig but my job is just to shoot guns like i'd have to i'd have to contribute something else to the company which you know we would have to talk about i don't know yeah that's a big life change If, if i had an offer out here that was like hey you know i had somebody offer me this i'd probably be talking about it differently but because there's nothing in the workshop, it's it's just kind of a pipe dream to me at this point. I'm trying not to get my hope my hopes up too much, but yeah, I'd love to do it. I mean, if Corey wants to rent me a house, I could sleep outside where the CNC is. He could pay me fifteen bucks an hour, so I could eat food <laughs> and I could just sleep in the shed. I think that's the way I'm going to break into industry. To be honest, you know, well, I just <laughs> noticed that's a, that's a it question.
0: seemed to be on your mind.
3: Yeah, I think you look. I just, I love, I love shooting and I love, you know, I love everything about the game. And, and, you know, if there was any way that I could help, I've even said something to Troy McManus before in a match, like, you know, Troy, at some point, like, I'm going to be involved in a, you know, in a management capacity just because I, you know, I love the game and I want to do something with that. But I, you know, I don't know what that path is or who that company is,
2: or, you know, I don't know. You know, I I mean, at what, at what point you as a small business owner, at what point do you think, okay, I actually need to hire someone? to help me I
1: you know I mean I'm at that point now where I need to hire someone to teach me how to learn a CNC machine but um, uh you know when the work gets here um I, it's tough it's like all the work is in little it's in spurts where I need four guys right now for this project and then five hours later it's gone you know so um
0: so contracting basically yeah,
1: or, you know, I'm just doing it myself right now. I'm, I mean, you know, there's things that all the work happens at once, at, at matches, at trade shows, at stuff like that. So, um, but that's where all the shooters are, and, and we all work together anyways. And, you know, got a really good relationship with Da Vinci. We tend to set up our tents together. Um, that's just kind of, you know, grown organically and uh, and been good for that. So, I don't know.
2: Have you ever thought of... of- and I know, okay, well, the thing is, though, the YouTube reviewers, I mean, they're not shooters. They don't necessarily get it. But have you ever thought of sending your product to maybe one of them that's willing to try it? Because, I mean, that, I mean, yeah, sure. It's it's entertainment. And if the thing doesn't work, that's going to be what? bad. They're so talking but like Hitbox 45. Yeah, same, no, no, not, not him, but send it to like a YouTube <laughs> <That> channel. <is. laughs> and oh, like, but hey, he's so cute. <laughs> right. Yeah, he gets you as Try It's just such a niche
1: thing to, to, like, when I've invented it, I was like, there's no way
0: that anyone's going to buy this. If Taurus
2: can sell Taurus Curves because they sent a couple to YouTubers, I think you can (laughs) can do the same.
0: When I started my business, I thought, oh, nobody cares about movement and shooting. It's a shooting sport. Nobody's going to care about moving and shooting. And now it's like this whole thing.
3: I think my problem is I care too much about movement and not enough about shooting. I think I got to put that back the other way.
1: I just don't know many people outside of the, the shooting sports that are willing to spend that kind of money to reduce the recoil on a 9 millimeter right. rifle that doesn't really recoil that much. To the To the general public, they're like, this is not a recoiling gun. Right.
3: But they're not trying to double tap it on the timer as you run through a position at 10 yards.
1: Right. So that's where the competition people are my market, but the YouTubers maybe aren't. I, don't know. I think
2: you're wrong i think because you know guys are running soft defense ammo to make your soft defense ammo feel like range ammo that's that's the slogan you need to do
1: okay okay i mean
3: <laughs> it's cool it sounds i mean you know just somebody to have a roller delay buffer on their gun i mean it sounds cool so maybe you get people that don't really do competition to buy one or two but well you know, and you know when
0: people go to buy a firearm if they're even looking at a pcc whether they're a professional shooter competition shooter or just your regular joe schmo who sees a pcc in the store and thinks it's cool they're going to want the best build out and if your buffer system is recommended as the best build out you can get then even civilians are going to buy it
2: yeah i mean i like i have a dream of like mixing your buffer with that um what's that that honey badger no not the the radial delayed blowback thing who makes that the CMMG. yeah. yes i think mixing that would be pretty interesting have you tried that before
1: you know i've had two emails this week about that and i was like both <laughs> of them like i'll get back to you well
2: now you've had three like try time to try yeah, someone's out. gonna
1: have to try one
2: yeah oh, it's a radial roller delay blowback so it's a, it's a, it's a delayed that? in the front delayed in the back that'll be <laughs> pretty that'll be interesting
1: right i've looked into it some it just uses a standard like M or you know, AR-15 buffer system, not a heavy buffer, not a heavy spring. So it will probably work.
0: That does tend to be how your business expands as you sort of get pushed into it outside your comfort zone because other people are asking for it. Like with Brian Conley with his glasses, I said, you're going to have to expand because I'm going to other countries and I'm bringing your glasses with me. And sure enough, <laughs> he had to expand. I had to add on my train smart class, my advanced class, because I was in South Africa teaching and the guy said, we want more. So on the one hour flight to the next location, I wrote down this curriculum, got outside my comfort zone. Okay, here's the class. Now it's a whole thing, two days of training. So I think I, having- I took the advanced class requests,
2: first. I'm putting, I'm putting that on my resume.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he was in the very first experimental class. Now it's this whole thing. but. Yeah, having those emails are great. It does put you outside your comfort zone and then your business starts to expand and it's a little bit scary, but usually it works out for the best. If people are asking for it, then it needs to be a thing.
2: You got to seal up the holes though, where the where the springs are. You got to seal that up.
1: You know, it hasn't what been is an it.
2: issue at all. Everyone's I know, doing- I know, but you see the thing is though, you go to someone, someone's, some, um, Joe Schmo on YouTube.com is going to do a sand test and nah, he's going to you're throw just, in a bucket right. of sand and it's yeah. going to seize up and the product's rubbish because of that. Well,
3: no, it's, right. it's not. Again, it's meant for competition where you're going to. I know,
2: not, I know, but if you, you throw it on ground of the ground, you're going to I think
0: DQ'd. I'm going to have
2: some kind of a piece of Kydex that snaps over the holes. So,
1: Tell oh, me you're going to you're
2: a lock. A, alu, alu, you're gonna put some aluminium on it and weld that stuff up. The new electrical bed, tank works fine.
3: <laughs> it's got to be mil spec, man. You know, got to have it. Oh, in no, I'm just, I'm
0: just is
3: because,
0: like the worst yeah. possible standard. Yeah,
3: it just means everything well, to me, everything mill spec is usually just loose fitting and all that. So that way, when you get sand in it, it'll kind of just shake itself out. You know, I always <laughs> my, my Q26 that I shop in SIG felt that way all the time. I mean, it shot every kind of ammo and it always ran because I mean. You could take the slide and you could shake right. it out. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like well, well, just I, kind of I think,
2: here. So I think the competition market, you, you touched on that the competition market is big and it is good to be in it, but at the end of the day, the self-defense market is just so much more massive, not only in the in the states, but worldwide as well. So it's like, well, I mean, we've got uh close to three million gun owners in South Africa, and there's only about like 20. Two thousand people that actually shoot competition.
0: Well, the PCC yeah. is great to market to families. It's right. a great starter gun.
2: Why is that? Because
3: it's so practical. I just want to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because it's Bro, so my. easy to shoot, Bro. and it's so easy to learn all of the basics. And you know, the muzzle is so far out in front of you. With a handgun, it's so much easier to point it in an unsafe direction. With a PCC it's a lot easier to point it in a safe direction and if you're training someone it's a lot easier to just oh stop that muzzle right there
2: yeah. yep. and also firing a 556 rifle indoors without air protection is 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 not is not fun
3: oh so yeah so you know now that you say that let's let's so there's so back to the recoil thing for you right because now you said 556 five, i thought about my buddy's tuned 556 five, literally doesn't move when i pull the trigger um but that pcc so you say that there's no it doesn't move at all the pcc moves a lot more than a five-five-six. Oh so yeah you shot pcc but like you know it, it's got you know yeah it is flat shooting but it is it is not the easiest thing to do because when you're trying to win you got to be going like almost balls to the wall so like you know you can't be taking one feel the feel the trigger reset then two and now you're hitting two alphas like it's pop pop so, you know, the difference in the, you know, muzzle rise by, by that much in your dot, I mean, it's the difference between two alpha or alpha Charlie or even alpha Delta, if it's really much well, That's
0: like comparing so, 40 to
3: 45. Yeah, in a way. I mean, I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like Corey's system definitely takes some of that twang off your shoulder. So like, to me, it doesn't feel like it's hitting you as hard. And if it's not hitting your shoulder as hard, then you don't have as much stuff coming back, which means that you're going to have less flip up in the front. So the softer you can get this transition to be on your buffer from back to front, the less flip you're gonna have every time it hits the back of the tube. And like- Oh, that's, that's,
2: why, that's why I like this product because it's like the person who bought the nine mile um, thing for self or home defense or whatever, because it was quiet, doesn't like the jump. So now I can just basically screw this on and lessen that. Yeah,
0: what is the installation like, Corey?
2: So you just you remove your
1: old tube From the gun and uh just put this buffer and tube on kind of all at once. Um I've got a little YouTube video out there to do it. It takes, you know, 10 minutes or so. If you're comfortable with removing a buffer tube,
3: it's what do you need? You need a what's your knot wrench, right? Like wrench, yep. What else? And then that's that's it. it. Yeah, you can rest by hand. It takes a little bit to set it. Like you gotta, so essentially you put your you know you take your uh, you take your tube off of your your gun now and then you put your upper back on your lower so now you have your rifle without a buffer tube on it and then you you kind of screw the tube into the back of the gun until you feel the the buffer bottom out on the bolt and then you like turn it off a half a turn or whatever it is until you can get those things to line up and that and then you're pretty much there and then you lock down the the castle nut and that's it's set properly and then you got to just make sure you put in the three light springs or whatever you're going to run in it for your ammo which, like Corey was saying, I mean, I think that's the coolest part, you know. Like, it literally basically does hand work. tight and
0: then back. Like, what off do you have? Like,
3: bit. what do you have to do? And I'm not trying to again. JP makes a great product, but like, what would you have to do to change from using a 115 grain bullet to a 147 grain bullet with a JP buffer? Like, you're going to have to either have all stainless right. or all tungsten, right? Well, now with Corey's System, you don't. All you do is you pop out the buffer and you just change the springs, and that's done. Like, you're not. You're and, not. And I stainless. mean, the
1: other thing is, is they're going to run on either setup. Like, yeah. the ammo is going to run 100% on either setup. Now, change into a, a steel challenge, really light, you know, that's different. You might have to actually change springs to get it to, to run 100%. But the so difference switching between the game one factory playing. ammo and another factory ammo, they're going to run. It's just going to be the feeling that you're really tuning
0: for. All
3: right. Well, I mean, that's kind of the same thing with the JP buffer. I mean, I, I ran an all steel one, 115s and 147s. It does run. It, it feels a little different, though. So, I mean, it's just much easier. And and to me, like, I would never take my JP buffer apart and change the weights individually. So, like, I always had a second JP buffer. So I had this one that was light and then this one that was heavy. And with Corey's, all you need is a bag of springs and you can change whatever you want. And, and, you know, even if someone's like, oh, well, you know, I want to shoot your gun, but I only have these factory loads. Like, oh, yeah, well, no problem. Give me one second. Like, "Uh, There you go. And now it's set up for your stuff. Perfect. Corey,
0: where can people find this YouTube video? Yeah. Oh, Corey's Shield 3 gun? I believe is my YouTube
1: channel. I've got like three videos. <laughs> of, so not very well, right. you have
0: a website, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Shield MFG is the website, and it is on the website. Okay. And um, okay. for anyone overseas, I have a um, Shooter's Connection is is selling my stuff, and um, okay. so they are able to do all the overseas shipping for me because I didn't have all of that in place yet. Um, so they're they're just kind of handling that for me right now.
0: Okay. We well, should get you in touch with the IPSIC store and see if they want to do something with you. Yeah, that
3: yeah, that's a great place to be too.
0: Because those guys are doing some PCC stuff a little bit. Well, it's I mean, PCC fun. is
3: obviously one of the except except for carry optics, it's it's you know the fastest growing division in the game because it's brand new. So you know, but, everybody kind of has a gun that they can take from production to carry optics, throw throw a red dot on it and call it a day or whatever, and you know, or you know, whatever. But. Mm-hmm pcc it's a completely new platform and you know i feel like it's just getting started so i feel like Corey's right. had time with this product because it's something that people can it's only been around really for what three four years now with uspsa um yeah and i see how, how is ipse been around the same amount of time
2: Grant? no
0: it's newer to ipse
2: so okay
3: so it's only what like one or two years newer i mean nothing yeah great. i think it
2: was one in, Yeah, one year ahead basically i think yeah. around about that
3: yeah, you should talk to Keita after this podcast about that. Maybe you guys can get up with uh, Jana and Dimitri on that. Yeah,
0: they're awesome. Awesome yeah. people. Family-owned yeah. business in Estonia at six Door. Cool. So, Corey, do you have any companies you would like to mention besides your own um, that you're so, working with?
1: You know, DaVinci, we've already mentioned. Um, uh, Coda Evolution. They've, they're big help. And we were talking about the lightening the front end of our rifles, and that's how I was able to really do it on my DaVinci. Um, they make a very nice carbon fiber front end that, that has aluminum barrel nuts.
2: Ooh. So that's,
1: that's where a lot of the weight in your front ends are, even your, like, ex- lightweight extruded aluminum ones, have usually a steel barrel nut, and that's adding quite a bit. Really? So I was able to take, I think it was six ounces off the front of my DaVinci, and then that let me take six ounces out of stock to maintain my balance point. And um, so that was a big thing for this year. My DaVinci is much lighter than my other guns.
0: OK. How has that aluminum held up for you?
1: It's been great. Um, I probably have, I don't know. And it only gets better time with time.
3: Only gets better with time, too, you know? Are you talking about the buffer tube? Is that what you're talking about?
1: Oh. I thought we were talking about the barrel nut oh, on the barrel Dakota, but but yeah. but yeah, the buffer tube's been fine too.
2: well speaking of the buffer tube, what's the highest round count you've actually put through one of your buffer tubes? So, mine. this
1: gun has got probably fifteen thousand through it. I don't know what Mike's has. Mike probably has probably the second, similar. the second to
3: that. Yeah, I mean, I shot that gun since you put it in at Ohio. I shot it. It's the only Da Vinci I had, so now I have two, but. I am still breaking the other one in, but I can tell you what, a buffer tube, it's a little tough when you first get it, but it it truly does just get better and better and better over time. I haven't had it break or crack or anything yet, but I mean it is almost like butter. It's like glass smooth at this point. So the little edge
1: think. just kind of rolls over on the aluminum and it it kind of wears in.
3: Right. So, imagine, okay, so the, imagine the tube, imagine the brand new tube, and you cut, you know, it's it's whatever thick, call it an eighth-inch thick, right? And it's probably less than that, but then you, you punch holsters so and now it's got like a little square edge and the roller yeah. kind of sticks into the pocket. So over time it beats down that corner and it just gets smoother and smoother and smoother and it
2: just. It's okay. like, so you're not actually seeing a lot of um, a lot of like damage onto the aluminum receiver with that steel roller going in. it. on the on No, the, on because the it's round. Yeah, but- well,
3: it makes its yeah. own track. So if you if you take the buffer system out and you look down there, I mean you could see where the roller goes, oh. but that's part of what breaking it in and making it well oh, even
2: the even the MP5 rollers eventually wear wear into the steel receiver, you know, after a couple and tens of thousands of rounds. So that's why I was asking the question. Well,
0: well steel uh, is very was, different from aluminum.
1: What was that, and, for you? And the different aluminums are different too. I found that out that your sixty sixty one aluminum is much softer, much more likely to uh it's more roll malleable. Over. Than the 7075
2: that i'm using Okay, so you're actually making it out of 7075 aluminum
1: yes yes i i had a couple of 6061 tubes and that's not where you want to be so i, I learned right. my lesson there but no 7075 is where it's at
0: yeah that steel is not malleable compared to the aluminum so it's going to take the shape basically you need it to take if that makes mm-hmm. sense
3: yeah, so I did. I, this is interesting now that you guys said that. I don't know if I don't think we've touched on this, but like, how many how many prototypes exploded before you got one that worked? <laughs> right material that was like, oh, this is what it needs to be.
1: <laughs> you know that, and, and I was thinking about that too because I mean, buffer tubes kind of right against your cheek, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put this thing right against my face and try it. Right. um no no real like catastrophic failures to anything like that um like how
3: many iterations how many iterations until you got to what you're selling
2: basically how, how big of the box of destroyed buffers is it? Right.
1: <laughs> there's a so there's only probably eight or ten buffers that aren't any good but i've got a big box of wrecked tubes i i had to to get the, the hole in the right spot and all of that um yeah i probably went through 20 or 40 tubes
0: well, it doesn't look like you needed any facial reconstruction surgery or anything. So, it must have gone okay. Yeah,
1: it's, it's well, a okay. beard.
3: The beard is covering some scars that you don't know. No,
1: there's no risk there. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, well, thank you so much for coming on, Corey. Is there anything you didn't mention that you wanted to bring up?
1: Not that I can really think of. Um, oh, uh, we've got one on the uh, Da Vinci that Brian Conley's running around in his Hunter's HD van. Oh so, yeah. Uh, if anyone's looking to test one, um, he's got one available for testing or or use during a match or whatever um, that he you know he's at like 150 matches a year or something. So right, so, we gotta get um, him on
0: here. But
1: yeah. there's one on the on the Da Vinci gun that he's got. So, um, if anyone's looking to try one out that I'm not around or Mike's not around or or anyone, um, you know, check it check it out on his truck.
0: Yeah, yep. Brian keeps backup guns in his van, just in case your gun breaks during a match.
1: Yeah, he's right. got glasses you can, you
0: can use. Right. No cost to you to use them during a match. Anti as a match discount during the match.
3: Honestly, why I love this sport. I mean, think about any time that anybody's ever showed up to a match and they were missing something. You have, like, 12 people offering you, like, oh, you're missing a holster? I have these. Do they fit? Like, you know, it's like everybody's always willing to help everybody out. But, yeah, I mean, always keep that in mind, guys. And always keep it in mind, too, if you ever wanted to try out a gun, that Brian has, you don't even have to bring yours as long as you set it up with Brian, like, hey, I really wanted to shoot this kind of gun. He'll let you try them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, feel feel free to go up and talk to Brian about that, and he'll be more than happy to give me it for the day.
1: So. And oh. the same with me and Da Vinci; We all carry spare guns. So, um, you know, if anything happens at a major that I'm at or anything, you need to borrow a gun. Even if something doesn't happen, you just want to try it. You know, I've got a spare you can take and use for the match, so. Yeah. Last
2: That's year at TSA. What, what, what's next? Sorry. Sorry, last year, so what, TSA what you...
0: broke my... Stop talking, <laughs> 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 No, you go. You go.
3: Okay, you go. Husband and wife.
0: Okay, I'm going to go. Ready? You go. <laughs> you go. <laughs> so last year at Nationals, TSA broke a bolt off of my holster, and I just emailed um, Ghost Holster USA and they mailed me all the replacement parts plus extras that I might need and any tools I might not have had with me. And yeah, right. So it was fixed the day before I shot nationals. They overnighted it to me. Like this sport is so amazing. All the companies that work with our sport, everyone is so helpful and giving because we've all needed help at some point. So we all give back
3: whenever we can. Yeah. There okay, any... Grant, what would I you need... like to say? <laughs> I, need out there, I need mental help. I don't
1: know.
2: If I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Mike needs No, Corey, I was going to ask, what, what's your next match you're shooting? And in the hopes that you say Dragon's Cup to make Mike feel that?
1: <laughs> Actually, uh, in three days, Mike and I are meeting up and we're shooting eight, uh, eight. this PSA shootout. So it's this like steel falling steel match in Hershey, PA. Uh, each stage is like 30 pieces of falling steel, and uh, I don't know. That's pretty big in like the Northeast. So we're shooting. I'm shooting that on Saturday, and then we've got the Delmarva section match on Sunday.
3: Which they call Area Eight, but it's not because they're so they're just butthurt hurt that they don't have Area Eight at that club anymore this year. So the guys that are running that match have now called it the Area Eight sectional.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. I had like five people ask me like, Oh, are you shooting Area Eight next week? And like. You're going to be disappointed. That's a section match, not
0: an okay, Area Okay, I was confused about that. I thought it was Area 8,
3: too. Well, so the uh, last few years, Area 8's been run at Delmarva. Or, I mean, been run at, um, what's it called? Shadowhawk. It Shadowhawk. Shadow yeah, in West Yeah. So, um, now Area 8 this year, at least this year, as far as I know, is in Atalani Rod and Gun Club in Pennsylvania. So, now Shadowhawk okay. is running a sectional instead of doing the Area 8 match. But they just had to throw it in the other, you know, we're all friends up here, so. You know they made sure they named their match the area eight sectional just to just to get that's
1: that pretty funny so this weekend it's that um I'm, we just did area six i'm a stage sponsored area eight and area five um the buckeye blast in may the kentucky section match western pa section match and the battle for the north those are the matches i'm sponsoring anyways um We're going to go to South Carolina with Da Vinci here in a couple weeks, and New Mexico later in the summer. So those are like kind of Da Vinci matches that I'll be. I'm jealous
3: about that one. That's not my birthday weekend. It's also the first week of school. So see now, if I was in the gun industry, I would be attending. (laughs) But the fact that it's my first week of school and I have to take off for five days for nationals the month after, I cannot attend New Mexico. So yeah, my birthday weekend, they're all going to New Mexico, Kita, and I'm staying home because I can't. Trying to be responsible. You know, Jesus. Yeah, I gotta get out of this one. I gotta, I gotta get into the industry. You know, I really do. <laughs> so, Corey, yeah. All right, thank Corey, you so thanks, much
0: for coming on. Yeah, okay. and thank you.
3: Thanks for being you, man. You know, I've known you for a long time, and I just want to say thanks for uh, always being an awesome dude. And you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, chose me to help you out doing this whole, you know, shield buffer system thing. And thank you for letting me be the guy because I'm really enjoying the buffer. I think you did a great job on that. So. I'll see you well, a I think few you're helping
2: me more than I'm helping you, so <laughs> thank oh, you. Yeah, Corey, thanks for coming on. And yeah, I I really think I, this is the first time I've seen your product, and I actually think it's really interesting. Well, it
0: is. Thank yeah. you, Grant.
1: Hopefully, I get to shoot with you sometime.
2: Dragons, cup. Dragon's come on, cup. join. Come on. Okay.
1: We'll see.
3: I hate all, all right. of you. <laughs>
0: Bye, guys. We'll see. See Bye.